0: I think we'll start. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, ala muhammad wa Welcome to this new cage event, um, where we will ask the following question: What is Francis' problem with Islam and Muslims? Um, as usual, we will keep uh, our cage formula, where we do not rely on second-hand analysis, but rather we bring to you. Uh, the experts, and those who are directly involved and impacted, whether they're survivors or activists. Um, And today, or tonight, uh, rather, we have two esteemed guests. First of all, we have um, Marwan Mohamed, who's a French-Egyptian author and statistician. Um, He's also an author, and most importantly, and that's why he's with us today, is the former head or director of the CCIF, the Collective Against Islamophobia in France, the most prominent human rights and anti-Islamophobia organization in France, which was shockingly um, dissolved and shut down by the French government just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, with us as well, we have Professor François Bourga, um, a known political scientist, a senior research fellow at the French National Centre of Scientific Research, um, he's taught in, you know, for over 24 years uh, in the Middle East, in Algeria, in Egypt, in Yemen, in Lebanon, in Jordan, and many other places. It would take too long to uh, go through his, his full CV, but he's a very, very uh, experienced and well-known uh, academic and uh, very insightful when it comes to Islam and Muslims in France and in, in the Middle East. Uh, as I was saying, we are keeping this formula of bringing independent voices to you so you can get an insight into current affairs um, which are related to Islam, Muslims, the rule of law, due process, the war on terror uh, in a way which you probably hardly hear uh, anywhere else. And um, we've chosen the topic of France recently, simply because France has been at the forefront um, in the in the media recently. We've seen obviously the insulting uh, cartoons once again of uh, the Prophet. we've see, seen the crackdown on uh, Muslim civil society whether it's the shutting down of uh, organizations like the CCIF or Baraka City which is the biggest or arguably one of the largest um, Muslim charity in France. Uh, the shutting down of, of schools the multiple raids on 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 Muslim homes, and uh, most importantly, some of the shocking remarks um, which we've seen or heard, whether it's from the President Macron or uh, the Minister Darmanin. and uh, we'll start straight away. And perhaps I'd like to ask Professor François Burgat, um, perhaps to give us uh, to give us some of the, some of the context of what has been happening recently. Um, Just give us a quick overview um, and then go into more vertical context, but I think it would be good for for our listeners and viewers who might not be French speakers and might have been following from a distance to understand what is the context of of this recent crackdown.
1: Thank you Uh, and uh, good evening to everyone. Um, Yeah, there are different layers layers when it comes to the relation of uh, France with Islam and Muslims, but I will address briefly the most recent one. Um, let's say, um, since um, October, although October, 2nd of October, since we, we might start a little um, earlier, if I was to start to remind all of you the, um, the context of this uh, crackdown. Um, I would uh, go back to the, the late 2019 when a book by Bernard Rougier was published. It's not the fact that the book has been published, it's the fact that it has been exposed in the media like no other book since uh, two or three years. I mean, it was on prime time for two or three weeks, and this book um, has been, we may say, applied by the government a few months later. What would the book say? The, the, the title of the book was The um, The Territories uh, uh, Conquished by the Islamists, you know, those territories who have been lost by the Republic to, toward, to the Islamists. And, um, it it was it it brought a a new concept uh, that this book was not stigmatizing I I hate this word uh, but uh, radical Muslim or supposedly radical Muslim it was not stigmatizing the fringe or one component of the Muslim community it was um, including uh, what I what I described as being 95% of the believers, okay? Uh, The only Muslims who were not targeted in the book were the Muslims who were no longer Muslims. But uh, when when it comes to Muslims, the mere fact that you would um, buy halal food, of course, support hijab, but buy halal food, uh, pray, um, uh, once or several times a day, it was already too much. So you would belong to the, what Rougier has labeled the ecosystem of terrorism. Uh, to, 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 to go to the heart of my, what I want to say, Rougier connected the hijab with terror. Let's, let's put it this way. Uh, uh, he connected the fact uh, of being a believer with terror. And, um, you know, if, if you would uh, walk by, um, uh, Islamic bookshop, uh, then buy a kebab and go to the mosque. You were on what uh, you English people would call the conveyor belt hmm? the conveyor belt toward terror so this was, this, this was new uh, in in the academic landscape were targeted as as possibly terrorists, not only those I would say, as a a joke with a real long bird or uh, uh, advocating uh, uh, a kind of uh, opposition. No, just any believer was supposedly uh, connected to terror. Uh, So this is the first step, major uh, media exposure to this book. Then on the 2nd of October, uh, but now I, I need to go in the political context. Why did this happen? This happened because uh, President Macron realized that if he wanted to be reelected for a second mandate in May uh, 2022, he had to um, connect with uh, the voters of the right and the extreme right. For which reason? Because his very liberal policies had disconnected him from the center left uh, voters who had elected him in 2017. So all of a sudden, uh, Macron decided that he would um, compete with Marine Le Pen and and do better than her. And the field in which the competition could uh, occur was uh, the connection between immigration Islam and terrorism. So this was the scene of the competition and Macron moved in. So on the 2nd of October, he gave this uh, discourse, which supposedly was about separatism. But he had changed uh, the denomination uh, days before they withdrew the idea of separatism and started communicating upon Uh, Strengthening uh, laicity, secularism, and then it ended with strengthening the Republican principles. So what did Macron said on the 2nd of October? He he made this Islamophobia, wide range Islamophobia um, interpreted, constructed by the book of Rougier. He made it not the law, not the law, but the discourse of the state. So I I wrote myself that this Islamophobic discourse, which was existing in France, but was limited to the extreme right for years, to the right for, uh, for, for decades to the extreme right, years to the right, and also to compartments of the left. It became the discourse of the state, okay? And now to make it brief, There has been an acceleration of this process when occurred the assassination of this uh, professor d'histoire, history teacher, Samuel Paty. And then Macron lost all consideration for Muslim public opinion in France and throughout the world. And uh, instead of saying uh, during the funerals of Samuel Paty, Macron might have said don't ask me to prohibit these uh, caricatures because I'm sorry but we are in a country where we have a tradition of criticizing everyone you know I don't I do not support these drawings but I will not be in capacity of prohibiting them Macron moved forward and he said we will keep publishing such caricatures. So, you know, we had this acceleration and immediately, and I will conclude uh, immediately came these incredible uh, decisions. Uh, I, I think that the worst, there are many of them closing a, a school in Paris, uh, Baraka City, but the worst is a CCIF. The worst is dissolving CCIF. Um, Marwan will tell you more, but I myself, wrapped up the situation saying that this decision, which is um, based on absolutely nothing that can make sense in front of a court. uh, This has taken France, and this is not a provocation. This is not, you know, to to be to exaggerate, I would say this has taken France out of the state of law, where it had been for the last uh, decades. This is very briefly the context, and uh, most probably we will go back to to the details of this process.
0: Thank you very much for that. And already we can say that uh, Francois Burga has crossed the line according to the French state, because he's mentioned state Islamophobia, which is one of the reasons why CCIF has been closed down because they were campaigning against state Islamophobia. It's written on paper And likewise, a a few days ago a charter which the state or the government has demanded the imams and mosques to sign has been leaked and one of the commitments or the demands which were made to imams was not to mention or to reject completely the fact that there could be any sort of state Islamophobia or even uh, uh, state racism. So already we are out of line according to the French government. And um, so Francois has given us a very, very good um, summary of the context. Now, what I would like to hear from Marwan, as someone who has been at the heart of the storm, is that just to give us an idea of what has been the impact on the Muslim community in France.
2: Yeah. So basically, first good evening, um, basically, the, the, the impact um, at the grassroots level and within Muslim communities and families has been massive, uh, mainly because they didn't expect it. Um, They saw CCIF as the strongest uh, human rights organization addressing Islamophobia. And they still had, for many of them, the belief that we were in a country of human rights where the rule of law applies in every single context. And that even if it's politically heated at the moment, even if the pressure from the far right is very strong, uh, there is someone, there is a reasonable voice somewhere in the state apparatus who's gonna stop uh, uh, the conversation at some point and say, hey, you won your Twitter votes, you, you, you were able to uh, antagonize and fuel hatred in the society, you were able to appeal to the far right electorate, but at some point we still need to behave as a, as a, as a democracy uh, rooted in the, in, the, in the rule of law, and this will cause massive damage, but there was no uh, reasonable voice to stop, to stop this process. So um, I used to lead, uh, I had the honor to lead the Collective Against Islamophobia up until late 2017. And I think uh, like it was the first time at the time where uh, a prime minister, it was then Manuel Valls at the time said that we want to dissolve the Collective Against Islamophobia. And like the key reason for this is that uh, CCIF was too efficient for, 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 for them. Uh, they won the Burkini cases, they broke many of the house arrests, the undue and unlawful house arrests after the terrorist uh, attacks in Charlie Hebdo and in the hyperculture uh, uh, supermarket. They were able to show on a case basis that there was bias in the way Muslim communities are treated and that the whole PVE framework to uh, to address terrorism was then shifted to any form of political dissent whether it be from muslim communities left wing activists human rights activists uh, anti uh, global warming uh, uh, activists and basically this was the the, the core issue uh, that was held against the ccif was that basically they were efficient and they were gaining traction uh, and they were like the most popular organization among uh, muslim communities so just to complete on uh, on what Professor Burga was uh, was uh, was saying, you really have these two key elements that he uh, that he touched upon, uh, the academic element who provides like the the the, the, the neo scientific backing for these policies, and Rougier and Keppel before uh, before him and many of others before before them, provided the language uh, through academic uh, vocabulary to stigmatize Muslims, and they were able to pose uh, to place Islam as a dangerous substance in and of itself. Uh, the difference between eating uh, halal or wearing a hijab and growing a beard and killing people is a difference in their framework, is a difference of intensity and not a difference in nature. And so this Uh, 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 was able to stigmatize, this was used to stigmatize Muslims, altogether any form of practice, any form of visibility, any form of construction of an identity was constructed as a problem. That's number one. Number two, uh, the political game. And if you look at it from a utilitarian uh, perspective, you understand that policy is also about power. So racism has this potent component where if you are able to stigmatize and problematize a community, you are also able to send positive signals to a group of the electorate, that's number two. Number three, the traditional uh, uh, anti-religious ideology that was a minority in the population and that is gaining momentum uh, when it's targeted, when it's focused on Muslim and that's how secularism in France and laïcité in France have been weaponized against Muslim communities. Fourth point is the uh, post-colonial uh, uh uh ideology and we never got past this stigma of uh, of uh, colonial times and many uh, in the right and in the far right but not even uh, and even sometimes in the in the left are still behaving with muslims using these post-colonial tropes and so they never forget the fact that muslims are just part part of the french fabric and now are part of also uh, cultural elites political elites Uh, economic elites, and that in going through these elite cycles, they didn't give up on their religious uh, identity, they didn't give up on their social background, they didn't give up on their families, they didn't give up on the fact that they grew up in deprived areas, and even if they reached the top from an economic standpoint or a diplomatic standpoint, sports, cultural arts, and uh, and, and any of these uh, elite groups, they will not give up on their religion or their family or their social uh, fabric. And the last but not least is the PVE framework, the preventing Violent extremism framework, which was uh, enacted globally and progressively after the 2001 uh, terrorist attacks on the US uh, in many, many, many countries. And basically it provides a potent structural framework for arbitrary, arbitrary measures, whatever the country. So in the UK, you have prevent in the US, uh, you have the, uh, the Terror Act. Uh, in uh, China, you have like this anti-separatism, anti-Uyghur uh, uh, policies. In France, you have also these, uh, these programs and basically gives a blank check to any government to do something, to have black operations, and then to have mass surveillance on any citizens, pretending that they are going to bring security to the table. And depending on the way it is implemented, it has direct impact first on Muslim communities, and then on other communities. And basically at the end, the end of the cycle, is that any form of dissent is criminalized. So what we are seeing uh, with the uh, Balaka City, with the CCIF, with now left uh, groups or human rights groups that are addressing police violence and racism in the French society, it's just a glimpse of what a democracy can become on a fast track to arbitrary measures and authoritative uh, uh, measures. So that's where I would stop for the uh, for the introduction. If I want to provide the framework that can be. Uh, uh, translated into anglo-saxon terms, whether it be in Australia, in the UK, or in the US, Canada, or elsewhere.
0: Very, thank you very much, uh, Marwan. Uh, two very important points I want to, to to discuss is, number one, you both seem to agree that in France, Islamoflo- Islamophobia, or state Islamophobia, is blatantly targeted at, at, at beliefs, at Muslim beliefs, and Muslim visibility people who are practicing Muslims and therefore um, which is something which which uh, seems very very straightforward uh, in, in the case of France the second point that you've both mentioned is and I think we need to discuss it is the origin of, of violence uh, perpetrated by Muslims and I would be very interested to to hear what uh, dr. Francois Buga has to say because I know you've you've been working on this for almost three decades now so if I was to put it very simply and blankly, what is the cause or the root cause of, of uh, violence perpetrated by Muslims? Are you on, you are on mute, uh, Dr François?
1: <clears throat> Allow me to uh, comment in just one sentence what uh, Marwan uh, Muhammad said. There are not so many good news tonight. So when there is one good news, I, 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 want to, uh, I want to put it forward. Um, Mohammed, you said um, Keppel uh, and many others. Um, allow me to, to stress the fact that when Keppel and Rougier uh, made this op-ed um, asking for uh, repression against those whom uh, they label islamo-gauchistes, uh, I am one of them, uh, pr- proud. Islamogosh is basically that a non-Muslim would kindly disagree uh, with the new uh, uh, trend of, of, uh, of the extreme right in power. Um, so they, they published an op-ed with 100 signatures. And um, a week or so later, uh, we responded and immediately got over 2,000, um, probably we went, it was not published, but 3,000. This point is important. Uh, Kepel and Rougier, they do not represent the majority in the academic. This is on the unique piece of good news of all what I will say tonight. But in the academic, they are a minority, but they are totally connected with 95% of the mainstream media. Okay, now. Your second question is is most important. Usually, when I address this issue uh, and I'm speaking with a non-Muslim audience, I say, hey, you people, uh, you know that, um, just imagine that, you know, I'm not a very good believer, I must say so, I'm sorry, but that's the fact I've been brought up in, uh, in Christian religion. But I'm not uh, 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 a very good believer. So I say, can you imagine that all of a sudden I decide to be Christian again? You know, reborn Christian. In front of me, there will be a lot of possibilities. Which type of Christian shall I be if I want tomorrow morning to be a born again Christian? Shall I be like my Saint Patron is Saint François of Assise. you know this guy he was I would say I don't know if you will appreciate the comparison he was a Sufi type Christian and he, he had a high mysticism and he would speak to the birds so shall I be like Saint François of Assise, or shall I be like the judges who sent to torture um, those uh, non-good believers during the period of inquisition Should I be a believer with the theology of liberation? Should I be um, a, a, a monk, a contemplative monk, or a warrior monk? So I want people to understand that there are so many different ways to express your religiosity. And then I say, you know, it's the same in Islam. There are many different ways to appropriate yourself the dogma, okay? What we must understand, we analysts, and we citizens, it is why is it that a few, because please remember that those Muslims who connect with political violence, they are a tiny fringe. They are 2%, 1%. So, but what we have to understand is, why is it that these young or not so young people Faced with their religion, they take the radical binary interpretation of it. This which allows them to oppose the other or or, or to kill him. These reasons, they have nothing to do with religion. These reasons, they have nothing to do with the interpretation of religion. They have to do with the situation of these people in the context, in the social and political context where they live. And therefore, my answer is very uh, easy. Um, I don't know if I can translate this in English, but it's absolutely beautiful saying by Aimé Césaire, a French poet who was black. He was African born. And he said to the French, sometimes in the 60s, I say it in French first. Maybe Marwan will help me get it clear. He said, "If you do not allow me to be a citoyen à part entière, a full citizen, if you do not allow me to be a full citizen, beware, because I might consider becoming a citizen entièrement à part, totally different from you." If you do not let me in, I might stay out and and oppose. He who did not let me in. So my problematic to address the issue of so-called radicalization, if you do not let people come in the citizenship, there is a ten. if you do not let them politically, socially, uh, on the urban uh, dimension of citizenship, you have a chance that people will uh, oppose to you uh, using some of the violence that you have opposed to them. And I I, I don't want more than this. And then of course we we can go in a lot of details, but the way I wrap up political violence on the surface of earth, I say they are the result of the dysfunctioning of the institutions which should allow political representation. If political representation in, in the broad meaning of the sense, it can be in the media level, it can be economical, it can be political. If you do not let people in, then you start the process which might end by blind violence of the type that has, been, um, that has invaded and melted the brains of Europeans uh, since a few decades.
0: So perhaps that's another good news, is that political violence is actually political. And in reality, it can be... It's not religious. And as a result, that means that the state does not need to go into ideology, does not need to go into dogma, beliefs, does not need to try to regulate religion, but needs to try to address uh, the political political causes of violence, whether they are at home or abroad. in countries which have seen wars, invasions, drones, tortures, um, that's perhaps the, the good news. And, you know, drawing on to that, um, you know, we've mentioned that if you do not let Muslims in, then they might be, they might consider themselves out. With the shutting down of, of CCIF, it's been, in a way, sending a message which politico- political or, or, or civic organization for, for Muslims uh, is unwanted in France. So what I wanted to ask Marwan is how have Muslims been organizing since uh, the, the shutting down of CCIF and Baraka city and, and since, since the crackdown? Is there anything that's been done on the ground? What, what is the situation?
2: Okay, as I said earlier, we didn't discover anything in uh, Macron's plan to uh, like uh, take over and control Uh, Muslim communities we've seen this coming since 2017 that's why in 2018 uh, during the spring we conducted uh, the biggest survey of Muslim communities in French history it was like the Grand Consultation des Musulmans, in a way to give them the first role to put them in the driver's seat instead of like Uh, being in the reaction to what the government is going to say or or to what the government is going to do. So 27,000 took part at the the time and because we saw that the trend was to like take over control over mosques, Muslim associations and then religious discourse and any sense of social or cultural or political discourse, we took uh, preventions uh, and we took measures to protect uh, most of the uh, uh, Muslim organization at the grassroots level by bringing up to the economic, legal, uh, communication and operational standard uh, required to be uh, 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 protected and to keep and maintain a sense of agency. Uh, so this work is on, uh, is ongoing, but for like obvious, uh, obvious reason, it doesn't have to be like the most visible work. Uh, Otherwise, we will just antagonize more uh, uh, the way the government is behaving with Muslim communities. Now, the key issue uh, at an individual level or at a family level is that um, there is no longer a space of projection where Muslims have a sense of belonging here, uh, have a sense of uh, uh, friends being their home. So (coughs) many of them have made the choice. Uh, just to leave the country. And so this trend has been going on for 10, 15, almost 20 years now, uh, mainly to the UK, mainly to the US, uh, Middle East, also for some of them. What is different now is that for, for a while, for almost 10, 12 years, it was kind of a temporary thing. I'm going to work in the, in the city for two years and be recognized professionally and come back to France with a senior position in my company. And that's where I'm going to be established because that's where I have my roots. Where I'm going to go to Egypt to learn Arabic or to Morocco to see my family or to Turkey to start and try something. But now it's not a matter of I want to try something else. No, it's a matter of I'm, I'm done here. I'm done here. And in the same way, my parents or my grandparents made the choice because they were facing political hardship, economic hardship to leave their country and to start something else somewhere else. Well, I'm doing the same and I'm doing it without any form of anger because anger also depicts a form of attachment to the country. So those who leave now, they are doing it as a a cold choice saying, okay, I had to go through this, but I'm done now and my children don't have to face the same, uh, the same thing. And earlier you mentioned that uh, one of the problems of the government was that religious visibility and religious beliefs uh, in and of themselves are kind of a trigger for, for hatred. I would, uh, I would go more about the political side and, uh, and the agency side of, uh, of things because Muslim women wearing a headscarf weren't an issue when they were cleaning the floors and working, were working in factories. Muslim men praying five times a day or going to the mosque or having a beard were not a problem when they were factory workers or building roads and building bridges. Uh, But now that they are applying uh, in the top business school or the top engineering school, now that they are uh, uh, overperforming in medical schools and in in engineering schools, now that they are speaking for themselves and, and getting a sense of organization and a sense of agency and connecting issues, that's where they become the problem. And so, if you, we we often say uh, uh, this verse in mosques and in conferences, "Kuntum uh, khaira ummatin you are uh, indeed one of the best, if not the best, community that came to mankind. Uh, you um, you fight any form of injustice. You recommend everything that is good, and you believe in Allah Taala. So we thought that we believe in Allah was the key issue triggering the, the Islamophobia. But in truth and in essence, that's the two other parts. Because Muslim communities are part of any social campaign of solidarity, because Muslim youth are so involved against any form of violence and injustice, because Muslims brothers and sisters are already conscious of the challenge and the, and the, and the huge problem of climate change and and, and because they are sensitive and, and get involved in any form of Uh, social distress, uh, and take part in support of these uh, groups, of these vulnerable groups, this is the key trigger. Muslims became a problem in France when they started becoming part of political movements, social movements, cultural movements. Before that, they were just like these immigrants that we are going to keep in shanty towns or in deprived areas, which is the name for banlieue, the place banlieue, banlieue, the place where you ban people. So basically, these, uh, these issues really started when Muslims be- became what Francois was saying, plain citizen, normal citizen, French people getting involved at the political, social and cultural level. And this is the key trigger because in essence, Islamophobia is about belief in some, uh, in some way, but it is mainly about political dissent.
0: So visibility, dissent, organisation, is key to triggering state islamophobia. Uh, Dr François, I see you taking notes, maybe you want to say something, react to to what Moran has been saying. Are you you on mute?
1: I I don't want my microphone to make lousy noise when I'm offline. no, I was reading on the right side of my screen the converser. Uh, am I to react? Well, it will, it's part of what I want to say. The connection between this uh, French Islamophobia. No, this is a second piece of good news. Uh, France takes most responsibility uh, for this Islamophobic uh, uh, extreme right turn. But we have sponsors. We have people supporting us. We have people from abroad um, feeding this uh, feeling very officially, and this is the connection with the autocratic regimes in the Middle East. Now, if, you, if, I, if I may address this issue now briefly, or, or you have questions later? No? We, so, we, uh, yes, can, go ahead. Yeah. So if and you I have any ahead.
0: questions for all the attendees, if you have any questions, we'll keep uh, uh, maybe 40 minutes to, towards the end. Uh, to, to answer all your questions. You can just ask in the Q&A section, but please, Dr. Francois, go ahead.
1: Yeah, the, the idea was, uh, what about uh, the, the question to Arash tawakul uh, was uh, C.C. Uh, Macron, uh, and when you say C.C. Macron, you say everything. You, you, you say uh, that uh, at an analytical level, there is a very strong dynamic now, uh, uh, regional or even word, it's that the fact that um, those whom I label the Arab counter revolution, Sisi, the Emirates, uh, the Saudis, are hand in hand with the Islamophobic discourse of the European, and both support sponsor one another. And this is really, really important to understand. Why is it, why is it? As you know, this war against uh, Muslim Brotherhood as from on behalf of the Arab Emirates has started when the brothers took power in Egypt and uh, the Emirates and the Saudis realized that if there was to be any kind of political opening, there there will be um, the the next on the list after Mubarak and after Zin al-Abidin ben Ali. So they started this counter-revolution, they changed their attitude in the in the issue of Syria, and they started mobilizing, uh, supporting the coup against Morsi. Then uh, came close allied to Sisi, okay, and um, France had a choice. France, if you take the case of Libya, it is very illuminating. In Libya, France, whether we like it or not, had a good reputation among the revolutionaries because it had participated To the taking uh, down of uh, Gaddafi, not for democratic, not not for supporting democracy, but they realized that they had lost in Egypt and in uh, in Tunis uh, because they had kept supporting Ben Ali and kept supporting Mubarak. So in Libya, they say, oh, we changed. Okay. So France had a good reputation with the GNA, but France all of a sudden chose to ally with the Emirates. and bring in Haftar, the military solution. Why, why? Because the the relation of France with the Emirates has two sides, they have a lot of money and we want to buy them weapons or whatsoever. But they also have a software down with the Islamist which is very useful at a domestic level. Believe it or not, I don't know if you've heard this. It's absolutely incredible. But less than three months ago, a Saudi previous minister of justice came to Paris. And can you imagine this Saudi guy saying to Macron, we want to help you struggle against political Islam? Do you believe it? Yes, this is the new trend. This is the new trend. The Saudis and the Emirates and Sisi, they want to help France struggle against political Islam. Now, this is not completely new because for decades, when we would connect to authoritarian regime, when we would speak to Morocco, the king, the generals in uh, Algeria, uh, Bourguiba or Zine El abidin ben Ali, The song was the same. We will prevent, we will protect you against the bad Muslims. Help us get rid of the bad Muslims, whatever the means we use, whether they are violent or legalist, and we will protect you against the bad Muslims. What is new is that this discourse has been imported now in Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, and of course, more than ever in Egypt. We we need to know that um, opposing this Islamophobic discourse in France is also opposing the functioning of these autocratic regimes, which have labeled Muslim Brothers their worst enemy. Why? Why? Because these people know accurately the situation the political situation in the Middle East. They know that the, the most popular uh, movement nowadays is more or less whatever you label it, link it to so-called political Islam. So you need to understand now that when Macron welcomes Sisi, give him Wissam Sharaf of the higher, highest uh, brand, the Legion Grand Croix de la Légion d'honneur. This is the complete symbol of of this uh, structure of regional uh, political forces, counter Arab, counter-revolution, foiling, fueling, and being supported by European Islamophobia. And uh, maybe you have heard uh, what happened uh, over one year ago, that the extreme right Marine Le Pen was financed by funds which came from the uh, Arab Emirates. And of course, but we do not have time to go into the details, but the struggle against Qatar on behalf of the Emirates is part of this dispute. Why? Because Qatar, for reasons we do not have the time to uh, to uh, go into as chosen with turkey to support the movement who have won the elections in in all of uh, uh, tunis and uh, egypt and which are the forefront of the democratic demand in the region so they are targeted just like uh, the islamo gauchists are targeted uh, the, the good side uh, of, of, of the story is that uh, the communication of CC of is not very sophisticated, always, and I don't know if you've heard that the, um, uh, the news agency of Egypt has tried to assess the fact that this gilet jaune story was in the hands of uh, of the Muslim, of the Egyptian Muslim brothers. But this is another symbol of what they are trying. I support you. You support me. You allow me to repress. You give me legion d'honneur when I'm the worst dictator. And I help you demonize. Uh, Of course, the Islamists are not the challengers of Macron, but they are an issue in the political debate in France. CC supports Macron politically and Macron supports uh, um, Sisi politically and the victims, they are the Muslims.
0: I think it's an extremely important point and something which we have been trying to explain for, for you know, 18 years now at Cage is almost a Guantanamo- Guantanamoization of, of the world or the, the, the user, usage of the rhetoric of the war on terror were to label any uh, m- Muslim voice who seeks independence, who seeks um, the end of corruption, who seeks uh, justice, or seeks political change through the lens of his religion. Um, that rhetoric is used sem- simply to label, demonize, and, and in, you know, in cases like France, um, raid, arrest, uh, dissolve the organizations, and in cases like Egypt, simply imprisoned and, and, and tortured. Um, or and then we can see, see the very same in, in, in China with the, with the situations of, of Uyghurs, where you know, we're using the very same metric of separatists, of extremists, um, of terrorism uh, to curtail and prevent the expression of legitimate demands through the lens of, of, of Islam uh, by Muslims. Um, Marwan, um, you know, I would like to, to ask you, as, as, as someone who has been on the ground, uh, what lesson have you been, you know, if you were to share some lessons for uh, Muslims abroad or Muslim organizations abroad, what lessons would you, would you share? Yeah, so um, number one, understand that like
2: the core security element of uh, the nature of Islamophobia in France is transversal. Uh, so this PVE policies, this framework uh, that allow governments to implement mass surveillance and it's criminalize easy. any form of, uh, of, uh, of dissent, this is not specific to France. So either you already have it or had it in your country or it's coming. So really be focused on this and understand that this is the permission to get out of the rule of law to criminalize any political group, any social group, that the government doesn't see fit. Number one. Number two. Understand that uh, the discourse uh, of uh, Islamophobia in France, whether it be your hardcore anti-Arab, anti-black racism recoded into uh, uh, into Islamophobia, this discourse uh, is present to some extent in your respective uh, in your respective countries. Either it's present at the at the core of Islamophobia, or it's going to be. Uh, uh, inspired by these groups in France. So if I look at the far right in the US, if I look at the far right in the UK, uh, the main blocker for them to implement French Islamophobia was the language barrier. As soon as they started translating some of the pamphlets uh, in France or having people circulating between uh, uh, both sides of the Atlantic, then these groups started uh, sharing ideologies, sharing tactics to stigmatize the very same population, whether it be migrants or refugees, whether it be Roma community, black communities, Hispanic communities or Muslim communities. So this is really uh, important in terms of ideology. Then for Muslim, uh, for Muslim I, would, uh, I would be really conservative, but you, you will think it's conservative but I had the opportunity to work in North America or in the UK or in, uh, or in Central Europe. And I tell you that this is realistic. Understand that everything you have in terms of fundamental freedoms, you shouldn't take for granted. And it's not restricted for, for Muslim. Your freedom of expression, your ability to express yourself, to organize, to have a sense of agency, to move your funds or spend your funds as an organization, whether it be in charities or in education or Islam- Islamic work at the, at the grassroots level, consider that this is going to be put at stake tomorrow. The fact that you have allies in progressive forces, in the liberals, in, uh, in, uh, in left, uh, left groups who are really sincere uh, in their expression against racism and Islamophobia, Consider that this is not to be taken for granted but because tomorrow you will find maybe the same groups who will be too busy justifying themselves in front of the far right that there are no Islamo-leftists uh, to be supportive of Muslims. And so the, the far right in France has been successful in imposing their framework and their ideology and asking the questions, but when you ask wrong questions, you only have wrong answers, whatever you whatever you say. So what has made uh, Islamophobia in France so potent is not that the far right is racist, the far right is racist, and it's their job to be racist. The key issue here is that the progressive forces, the people who are supportive of the rule of law, the people who are against racism, the people who are supposed to be supportive of uh, of Muslim communities, and any community exposed to racism, are plainly a bunch of cowards. And so they were two... Uh, 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 busy justifying themselves in a racist framework to see uh, the obvious that basically the far right was not only coming from Muslims or black people or people living in the suburbs but they were also co- coming for them and so by being divided in the face of racism and in the face of afrophobia or uh, uh, islamophobia, well basically they dissolved the left as a, as a potent force before even uh, the first bat- political uh, political battle. So any Muslim community any human rights uh, advocate, any progressive person, any person who is sensitive to minority issues and to the rule of law and to fundamental freedoms really should understand that what is going on in France is going to happen in your respective context. And if you don't uh, sacralize and protect and, and defend your fundamental freedoms, or the fundamental freedoms of minorities, this will happen to you, and you will be in the same role as we are in uh, in France. You will be very potent and very eloquent commentators of your own demise as as a political force. So really understand uh, and uh, understand this and bring uh, 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 ex- your expertise in terms of campaigning and advocacy and lobbying and communication and community organizing to countries where it's most needed like the case for some European countries now, but also organize many study trips so that you really see at the grassroots level what is going on and what people have to share it will not only bring you some knowledge, it will give you the energy and it will, it will provide you with the livid, vivid uh, uh, experience of what it feels like, what is the current condition of being black in this area, Arab in this area, Roma in this other area, Muslim in this area. And this in and of itself is when knowledge, academic knowledge that you read in books turns to actionable knowledge, knowledge that you can campaign with, knowledge that you can resist with. That would be the 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 few comments I would uh, I would make if I was to share experience with the with the brothers and sisters board.
0: Thank you very much. Again, a quick reminder to all our attendees: um, we will take uh, questions for our two guests. So, ask your questions in, in the Q and A sections uh, at the bottom right. Uh, we'll, I'll just ask one more question to both Marwan and, and Professor François Burga, and then we will move on to the Q and A. Um, Marwan, um, you have mentioned something about which I think is very important and uh, uh, you mentioned something quite, you no know, uh, strong words when it comes to allies and in particular allies among the, the left. So, um, you know, I appreciate that you've been very, very honest. I, w- I would like you to continue to be honest. How do you feel the reaction has been? Because from afar, it seems that uh, there's been pretty much silence from uh, a lot of people who would uh, normally have been a line to 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 um, to you guys. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so there has been a lot of uh, support for CCIF at the grassroots level. If you ask any Muslim or any Muslim family, they will tell you like, uh, this symbolically will make history. So this is like uh, the last red line, the last red line that has been uh, that has been crossed. And that remains in their mind and in their heart as the, 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 the point where you cannot go back after 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 that, and where their sense of belonging as French citizen has been significantly uh, damaged. Now, if if I want to, I don't want to find excuses for uh, for the left in France or for progressive voices. Uh, in a way, we don't expect much for, from from them because they gave up on these issues. Long time ago, Uh, they gave up on social and economic issues, they gave up on racial issues, they gave up on the key, the core political issues, a long time ago. There is this, there is this, this expression we have in, uh, in in French, I think it comes from the left, indeed, it's called the false conscience, a false conscience, so the false conscience is where you think that you are here, but actually your choices and your behavior shows you are here, so Ideologically, and from a discursive standpoint, people who are progressive or who perceive themselves as uh, progressive, supportive of minorities, uh, fundamental freedoms, human rights, they have this false conscience. Their speech is here. Their opinions, when they are verbalized, they are here. But their choices and their behavior, when when the stakes are high, is there. So, for instance, i just take an instance, uh, an example that is really, really uh, uh, factual. Many people uh, on the left believe that we should put our kids in public schools. Uh, and uh, And they love diversity and social diversity. But when it comes to choosing where they want to send their own kids, they will choose the best school, whether it be public or private. Uh, And they enjoy diversity, ethnic diversity, cultural diversity, social diversity, as long as it's kind of a cultural or folklore type of thing. They enjoy rap music as long as it's not happening in their own flat. They enjoy (laughs) campaigning for human rights issues as long as it's harmless. And they enjoy supporting minorities as long as these are uh, 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 political objects they can speak about. But when uh, uh, black people are speaking up, when Muslims are speaking up, and when they are speaking up for themselves, then it's much more difficult to get, uh, to get involved. And uh, there is another uh, campaign going on in France for the last few years, which is about uh, police violence. And in the matter of a few years after the killing of uh, Adama Traoré, his sister, Asa Traoré, and the organizer who, who support her were able to raise the issue of uh, political violence and police violence at an unprecedented level. And so many left uh, and progressive figures, they were really uncomfortable because she was campaigning on her own terms and not on the traditional left, uh, uh, mild, watered down, uh, watered down terms. So. I'm not finding excuses for, for the left here. I'm just understanding the reason and sharing the reason why they haven't been so vocal on these uh, on these issues. And it uh, it becomes really difficult for them because now they have to pay a social and political price because they are going to be labeled Islamo-leftist or supportive of terrorist groups or uh, uh, basically breaking the French society uh, apart. And there have been many journalists, academics, political figures have resisted in the past few years and these guys they are just our brothers and sisters in this uh, in this uh, in this fight and uh, and Francois is one of the most vocal and the most courageous uh, 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 among them but it has a price it comes with a price uh, uh, Edwy Plenel who leads Mediapart who is well, like the most powerful investigative media if they weren't independent they would be closed down in the minute uh, Manuel Valls when he was still in, uh, in office he, he said that they have to be silenced whatever the price by any means necessary why? Just for speaking up truth to power. So you see that if you are not really rooted in your beliefs, in your opinion and if these beliefs are just a matter of discursive beliefs uh, 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 then basically you fall apart as soon as the battle becomes real and that's exactly where we are at the moment
0: so independence has a price, bear as also yeah, a... Yeah, uh, that's a political engagement 101. Uh, uh, Dr. Francois, before we, we move on to the to the QA, I have a last question for you. Um, obviously, France is not made up of, of Muslims only. There are non-Muslims and other French citizens in France. So my question to you is, what has been the reaction of the wider society and what should it be if it hasn't been to, to, to your liking?
1: As uh, Marwan said, the reaction of the French society has not been what it should have been, of course. Uh, If you want to say it short, only two political parties, La France Insoumise and the Nouveau Parti Anticapitaliste, have condemned CCIF. The entire range of other political parties, including Les Socialistes, have kept silent. But this is... Very strange, it reminds me at least two situations. One is rather uh, next to us. It's when Hamas has taken over the identity of the Palestinian struggle. In just days, in just days, it's been a huge victory for the Israelis and a huge loss for the Palestinians. And I don't have to elaborate, you, you understand me. As soon as, uh, as soon as Hamas was the representative of the Palestinians, he was no longer legitimate in the heart of so many of, of the uh, Europeans. And it reminds me another story back in history. You probably, I hope you know Taraq al bishri this uh, Egyptian lawyer, Whom I consider one of the most brilliant intellectuals in Egypt. Tarek Abishri was a Nasserist, was close to the secularist side of the political landscape in Egypt. And uh, he slowly moved toward um, the Islamic movement, the um, Muslim Brotherhood. And what he told me, in the very early 90s, brings me exactly to the situation in France nowadays. He he said, Francois, we the nationalists, because basically we were nationalists, uh, our nationalists in the sense we were struggling against uh, the hegemony of Europe on our Egypt. He said, as long as we were using the terminology of uh, of the the Marxism, of uh, of, uh, nationalism, We had at least one compartment of the European societies, which would support us. They were the communists. They were the Christians. They were whoever, but we had one compartment of Europe supporting us. The very day when we started using the terminology of our inherited culture, Islam. It was the end. We had not one single compartment of the political of the European political landscape supporting us. And this is exactly the situation now in France, there and, and in Europe, but even more in France, you people living in the UK face a slightly different although I fully agree with what uh, um Mohammed said. You live in a society where people do not get mad when they see a hijab. You live in a society where the government, when it had to answer the question, can a lady wearing a hijab or or can a man with a bird and a turban like the Sikh be a policeman? They answered yes. The French would have answered no, okay? And um, in France, yet the connection between uh, religion, and, and, um, and political liberalism has not been produced. It's not functional. Because you have three levels of Islamophobia. One is the competition between religions. I am a Catholic. I don't want Islam to take my voters, OK? The second one is I am a French citizen. We have struggled during the revolution to get rid of religion. And I do not want a religion, whatever, be it the, the, uh, the, the Catholic religion. I don't want any religion to be back in the political sphere. But this is, of course, kind of a pretext. The real, the third level of antagonism, which feeds Islamophobia, is not rooted in the history of Christianity. It's not rooted in the history of the uh, French Revolution. It's rooted in the colonial history, and it's a good old racism. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the second layer, this anti-religious attitude, and some people, at least the fringe, are in good faith. There can be nothing good uh, in religion which would support any kind of political opening. This is very functional until now. There is absolutely no intellectual ability to connect to produce what the oration of uh, uh, theology of liberation have produced. Religion can have a role to produce some good which is acceptable by the French revolutionaries. This has not yet occurred in France. And this is used as a pretext by the racist to uh, support or to give a legitimacy to their
0: islamophobic discourse. Thank you very much. I, actually it's something that I, you know I find quite ironic in France is that it seems that now in France when it comes to secularism the only people who actually want the law to be applied are, are the Muslims. Yeah. Because uh, definitely because Fr- French secularism is not uh, when you go back to the law and the origin of the law is not about being anti-religion it's about the state uh, not having a religion. And it's, it was never; it has never been about the, the the citizens having no religion. And now we are in a situation where uh, politicians and the media are starting to demand to the citizens, or at least the Muslim citizens, to divorce themselves from from the from the religion. While Muslims are saying, actually, no, we just want to, you know, apply our freedom of expression, our freedom of thought, our freedom of beliefs. Uh, but ironically, it's the it's the politicians who want to change the law. Now we'll um, move on to the to the to the Q&A, and I'll just take them in. Uh, I'll try to take them in order. The first question is for, for Marwan. Um, again, our, our all our attendees uh, ask your questions in the in the in the Q&A section. Uh, we'll try to you know whichever time we have remaining, we'll, we'll spend that on, on Q&A. Uh, Marwan, a question from Adil. Does CCIF have any legal recourse to challenge the decision?
2: Yeah. So what uh, what CCIF did, um, and I didn't agree with their choice at the, at, the, at, the, at the time, but now with perspective, I think they made the smartest choice. They turned this uh, campaign uh, into a, into a victory. They didn't wait for the government to dissolve them they dissolve the uh, organization themselves. Why? So that they can keep control of their assets and of their strategy. So what they did is that they internationalized uh, their work. I cannot share too much at this stage on the way they are going to organize at the European level and then at the French level and then uh, the international level but uh, in a nutshell they are going to be able to uh, develop and reinforce their activities on the mid uh, to long uh, term. Now, they have a formal uh, recourse uh, in, uh, in the front of the Conseil d'État, which is the highest court in, uh, in France. And because the government uh, was diligent enough to dissolve them, even though they didn't exist anymore as a, as a legal structure, they have the grounds now to challenge them first at the Conseil d'État, and then in European courts if, uh, if, uh, if needed. But basically, uh, people need to understand that CCIF does this for other organizations, because when you look at the legal motives to dissolve CCIF, you understand that uh, basically, it can be applied to any other organization. They could dissolve Human Rights uh, Watch, they could dissolve Amnesty International, CAGE, whatever the organization, if they disagree with them, they will say, hey, by saying that there is state-sponsored racism in France, then you you design France as a target for terrorism, Therefore, you support terrorism. So this uh, 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 line has to be really under, understood. So CCIF will take it to court and then they have uh, uh, another recourse at a European level if, uh, if needed, but politically and in terms of communication and campaigning, I hope that in the coming year or two, they will be able to transform this huge frustration of having the organization dissolve into momentum. For campaigning, for organizing, and now everybody understands uh, the game uh, Emmanuel Macron is playing. And support for CCIF has never been stronger, whether it be at the grassroots level or within human rights organizations.
0: Thank you very much. And that some things that uh, our attendees can do. There's two actions that our attendees can do, and I will yeah. mention that before before we end the, uh, this event. Also, just to to uh, as, as as a as a point of benefit. Uh, I think it's very interesting that actually the French government mentioned CAGE as one of the initially one of the reasons why CCIF should be closed. Uh, that CCIF had some form of relationship, of working relationship with CAGE, uh, an organization which campaigns for uh, Guantanamo detainees or for survivors of torture, survivors of uh, victims who've had, you know, the, 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 been sentenced or, or convicted without the rule of law being being uh, respected that was a, a, a one of the grounds one of the you know many grounds which actually not grounded in anything to shut down ccif so it's something which is very real and uh, something which you know if we go back to uh, the link that dr francois made with the uae an organization like care in the us is classified as terrorists by the uae so, you know, very mainstream organizations, whether in France, the UK, or, or the US are, are being labeled. A question for from uh, for Dr. François uh, by Kauthar, at what stage has the bill in France reached? And what are the chances of defeating any of its anti-Muslims and anti-human rights provisions?
1: Could you repeat the first uh, share of the sentence? So at, at what, what stage?
0: Has the bill or uh, the law uh, reached and oh. is any chance to defeat this law?
1: No, the law is not uh, on now. It's still uh, in the process of... Uh, um, well, uh, the first um, answer is um, Allah Allah, God knows um, But if I was to uh, make a kind of bet I would say no the law will go on because the the You know, we have not mentioned the the reactions, um, and and what are the reactions which can uh, be efficient uh, on this process in France? And I I, I want to say it, even though it's not specifically a question internationalization is important. You know, for decades, France has been uh, interfering in uh, all countries around the world to promote human rights. And I am glad, I am glad, and of course there's some irony, but I'm really glad to say we are asking your support, you people throughout the world. And I, I, I'm glad to say it uh, when sometimes I express myself in Arabic. I am asking to, uh, I want them to, uh, to um, and then I have a, a bunch of concepts. I have the Vashkihi Muqata'a. Uh, which is not so efficient the muqata'a is you know this boycott of uh, cheese french cheese uh, i hope you all know um it is a symbol of the french success in exports of cheap cheese but what i want is and this does not come for the reason i have expressed before because those who buy the Rafal they support the islamophobic discourse but anyway um what is in imp- important is uh, the reaction in the Arab world. And until now, and in the Anglo-Saxon word, and until now, we may say that they have not been yet efficient. They have not, if they had been efficient, there, there would be some uh, some uh, refraining in, in, in the trend of the government. Until now, maybe Marwan Muhammad will have better news than I have, but we have not seen major changes. Uh, so I am not optimistic. I think that the law will uh, go on. Uh, and uh, therefore I am counting upon more and more pressure from the Anglo-Saxon word uh, and uh, more pressure, even if it's only Lavakiri, uh, from popular reactions in the Muslim world. But until now, no.
0: It's difficult to be optimistic. Up- so, still, as I mentioned, there's two actions that you, uh, all attendees can take, or some attendees can take. Uh, one will be a complaint to the UN, which we are launching, and number two, which will be an actions towards the French embassies. Um, so, stay with us. We'll uh, we'll let you know. Um, a question again from Kowther. Uh, what is likely to happen to the half million euros taken from Barakasiti tri donations? So because there is no representative of Barakasiti, I'll just share the news which have been uh, shared publicly. Barakasiti is now, I think, uh, suing the French government, uh, simply because they are preventing the transfer of the assets to um, the other organisations or the other um, yeah, organisations which they created here in the UK. So through different um, means, the French state has prevented that transfer of assets, which, uh, according to their lawyers, the state has no, or the government has no right to do. So that's being challenged. Uh, question four, uh, Dr. Burga, I want to ask you about the last visit of Sisi and also the fatwa issued from the UAE and Saudi on the Muslim Brotherhood uh, being a terrorist group. Uh, do you think that the authoritarian despotic regimes? Of the Middle East have become the first-line allies of Macron in his Islamophobic approach? I think you've answered some of that but
1: yeah I I, I think that I have answered most uh, most of this. I was asked in a previous seminar uh, do you think that the French will go um, beyond uh, the red line of uh, prohibiting Muslim brothers uh, as such in France and I and I said that uh, they have almost done this already. You know, since they have dissolved uh, CCIF, uh, there is no limit to the idea that they uh, would. Uh, um, but forget the idea that they follow by the orders of TC. They they would have done this by themselves. Okay, uh, so I I think I have I can just repeat. Um, the idea that there is a strong a most vicious alliance nowadays between the C.C. type of regimes uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Islamophobia uh, Reactions in all of Europe. Uh, I, I mean, I could give you a lot of details. I, I wish you would know by their name uh, these uh, little uh, so-called research centers like CEMO Global Analysis Watch. Uh, they are agencies working in Europe, in Germany, in France, publishing fake articles, fake studies to criminalize al-Muslimin um, or Muslim Brotherhood or any type. Uh, so yes, I am afraid this has occurred. Uh, and this is really part of the landscape.
0: Okay, question for Marwan now. Uh, Marwan, you've mentioned about political life in France. How has the situation been for Muslim Muslims who have uh, out, outwardly spoken against blasphemy?
2: Yeah, not many of uh, them have spoken up against blasphemy because the Muslims in France, they reach the point where basically their strategy towards uh, blasphemy or Charlie Hebdo publication is to ignore them. Uh, because the more... Give them uh, controversy, the more we give them visibility. So now that uh, we are in a, in a stance where we say, hey, you, you can publish whatever you want on Muhammad. we couldn't care less because the name of our prophet is Muhammad, wa sallam, and he doesn't get touched or evoked or even like uh, desecrated by whatever you can say, draw, or, uh, or do. So the stance of everyday Muslims in, uh, in, uh, in France is, hey, we are horrified by these, uh, by these uh, cartoons. We strongly disagree with them. We are abhorred uh, by the message it uh, sends, but we think you cannot do better than that uh, because you guys can, can only produce things that are designed to hurt Muslims and we will not even give you the satisfaction to be hurt by this. So whenever uh, someone, and usually it's the generation of the uncles, uh, say something negative about Charlie Hebdo, there is like a media crackdown on uh, on them. Say, hey, you want to ban uh, freedom of expression, and these people have died for the freedom of expression, and and so on. And they fall into this uh, they fall into this <laughs> trap. While we should be saying, hey, we uh, we support uh, the families of victims of any form of political violence, uh, but this is on the, this is on the the side. And at the same time in a normal debate about freedom of expression we should also have the freedom of expression to disagree with the content of an article or a cartoon but we don't want to even engage in this debate because we're not interested in whatever Charlie Hebdo is publishing and we let them and we will not even give, give them so the way. visibility of, uh, of disagreeing with, the, with, the, with them and that's why uh, the debate on the cartoons at the international level has been sometimes biased. We think that people should express strong disagreement with this this cartoon. But we think their disagreement with the French policies should be informed also that the fact that the cartoons is just the tip of the iceberg of what is actually going on in France. And the way you treat Muslims is much more informative of your ideologies and your strategies toward Muslims than just publishing the cartoons for just provoking the angry Arabs of the world, and then gaining media attention for, uh, for, 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 for this. So that's how I would how reframe the, 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 the debate. And uh, everyone, whether it be CAGE in the UK or other organization or human rights organization or CARE in the US or what uh, Professor Hatem Bazian has been doing with the Journal of uh, uh, Islamophobia Studies and the international conference that, that they've been going on is really focused on this, understanding what the publication of the cartoons means as a political trigger as a, or as a political signal, but also extending the analysis not only to these cartoons as a manifestation but to the political treatment of Muslims, to postcolonial studies, to the PVA agenda and other issues really structural in the French society.:
0: A question to uh, Professor Bilga from uh, Nurul Huda. Why? What is why is French secularism called laïcité, and what are its uh, characteristics, and how are they different from uh, secularism in other countries?
1: Very briefly, there is one specificity in the history of the French Revolution: is that the French Revolution, let's say, to become modern, to move away from the uh, monarchy system the French had more or less to get rid not of religion, but of church because church was in the hand of the king or the king was in the hand of the church, whether you like it to put it this way, but the church was a tool in the hands of the monarchy. So to become modern, France had to the French revolutionaries had to get rid of not religion, but church. This is a specificity. And now, as I have said, this is only a pretext. But this pretext gives its vocabulary to the anti-religious discourse, which is the uh, first layer of the Islamophobic discourse, at least part of the French do not refuse, as they say, do not refuse this Islam. They refuse religion. They don't want religion to be part of the public sphere. So this, I would say, is the very specificity. This is the root cause, Um, I mean, the apparent root cause. But once again, as I have said it already, The secular discourse, the we no longer want religion in the public sphere, happens to be very often a pretext to a good old racism, which if I was to choose, is the main root cause. So once again, the root cause of the Islamophobic uh, discourse in France is not has not its roots in the religious history of France. We are Catholic, we want no Islam in our Catholic Church. It's not in the secularist uh, French Revolution uh, part of our history. It's rooted in the colonial history. We do not want he upon whom we have been in a situation of hegemony for the last century or so to become more or less, if not dominant, part of the political landscape. Something we have not said of the the, the causes of this crisis uh, nowadays, it's it's always in terms of political representation. For decades, let's say Algerian Muslims had absolutely no political representation either before the independence or after the independence. After the independence, when the French government wanted to to, uh, address uh, Algerian Muslims, he would speak directly to the Algerian authorities in Algiers. And the Algerian authorities, they would speak to the Great Mosque of Paris, which is an Algerian institution. Then by the years, uh, uh, this, this system has completely failed more or less the Algerian Muslims are no longer Algerians. They are French. They are no longer uh, sons of workers. They are sons of people who know how to speak and to write. And so the, the, the specificity of the French secularism should no longer be considered as the core of the crisis. It's just a veil, if I may say. Whenever the, the French government says, I am going to address the issue of secularism, forget it. It's not what he means. He's going to fuel the good old racism, which he wants to exploit in the political domestic competition. So let's put it this way. Uh, when you hear the word of secularism, nothing good to come. Nothing good. Not, nothing serious to come. Nothing serious to come. The issue in France nowadays is not secularism. Okay, it's our ability to accept the fact that those upon which we have been in a situation of hegemony during the colonial time. They are our equal, they have rights to express, they have cultural and religious specificity. Let me tell you a last piece of personal history. Why do we have Muslims in France? In the early 60s, from where I am speaking nowadays in the Alps. My father, who was working in a huge steel factory, showed me buses on the parking lot of the factory. And he said, Francois, you know, these buses, weekly, we drive them to a a region of Morocco called Reef, and weekly, they come full with workers. Haven't we done this, the factory shouldn't be like it is today. These are the reasons why we have Muslims. They have not violated the rules to enter the country. They have been imported during, of course, during the colonial period, but are immediately as an emergency need by the French economy. So this we must repeat. And uh, whenever you have people insisting, whenever the conversation comes on secularism, consider it's not so serious.
0: Dr. François has told us how Muslims have been brought to France and there's a couple of questions of, on how Muslims are, want to leave France. So this one is for Mariam from Saadia. I understand that, that French Muslims decide to leave because they've had enough. What is the alternative for those who want to stay, Marwan?
2: Yeah, so in, in my last book, We Too Are the, are the Nation, there's a chapter on, uh, on this. Where we look at the at the data of Muslims leaving <laughs> France. And basically any human being uh, in the face of adversity has like three options. Number one, get involved, resist, campaign, uh, 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 support uh, organizations, uh, uh, build coalitions. And this in essence is what the majority have been doing for the last uh, few years. And the more they were uh, uh, accessing social capital, whether it be in terms of organizing or in terms of diploma or in terms of uh, access, the more they were involved at this level. That's option number two, number one. Option number two is to turn off everything, turn off. Turn off your identity, turn off your opinions, turn off your participation in the society, turn off and build kind of a circle of security where you feel that you are in a safe space. So many, uh, many Muslims also for many years have made the choice, look, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved uh, in the religious discussion or in the political discussion. And if they treat, it, treat us uh, this way, well, maybe we deserve it. Remember that we are not in our country here. So if we stay in a safe space among us, maybe they will leave us, uh, maybe they will leave us alone. If we accept the status of like second class citizen, maybe we will be tolerated. So hence the whole discourse on showing a good behavior and expecting in return a form of tolerance. So that's option number two. Option number three is to leave, exit the system. Uh, say, hey, I've seen uh, uh, friends, and now this is a global economy and uh, uh, I'm not, uh, this sense of belonging is a two way street. If I give it my all and if I invest emotionally in France and I try to prove that I'm a good citizen, that I contribute, that I pay my taxes, that I help my neighbors, not in the hope that they will behave reciprocally, but just as a a sincere way to be myself in the society, but if it doesn't happen in the other way, I've lived through it as a young man, as a young adult, as a professional, now as a father. But I don't want my children to go through the same uh, process. So people decide to go somewhere else. And for from 2000 to 2012, something like that, it was mainly the, those who are who have, who have the most uh, uh, diplomas, uh, languages, access. But now even like basic factory workers, waiters, uh, caterers, people working like normal salaries or low wage salaries, they are now trying something else. Uh, There was also a a cohort of people trying to go back to their country of origin in Turkey or in Egypt or in Morocco or in Algeria, but they weren't prepared to the societies uh, there. They were like tourists in the country of their parents and they didn't understand the 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 logics the administration the politics the the politics there so after this first generation there has been a second generation of people who go back but now they are much more realistic about it and they accept many compromises so that they can have a, a, a real life in Morocco without idealizing too much the system there or in Algeria or in Turkey but at the same time understanding the trade-off that they uh, that they make and the trade-off now balance in the direction where they should, uh, they should go to this country or that, uh, or, that, uh, or that country. To be honest and to share something with you, I was one of the most uh, outspoken about the issue telling people, hey, we should organize, we should resi- resist because not only for us, but for other minorities and for the country where we are born and, uh, and where, we, uh, where we grew up, France is much better than it shows. Uh, France in and of itself, uh, deserves more than what our, our political leaders show. So for many years, I would, uh, I would incite people to get organized and to get involved and to resist. But now I'm at the point where basically I should respect the choice of people who decide to leave when this is a, a real consent on their, uh, on their side and if their expectations are, are realistic because they have a responsibility to their children, to their parents, to themselves also, to, uh, to build a family and to build a safe space where they can emancipate themselves and contribute po- positively to the, to the place where they live in. And if France doesn't recognize their value, well, they don't have the responsibility anymore to be part of a society where they, they feel they don't belong and people make them feel that they don't belong. And it is very sad for France, but it's a choice I have to respect.
0: A comment from uh, Professor Hatem Bazian that many of us will know here. French and European colonization was structured around an anti-Islam, anti-Muslim discourse with the idea of civilizing the Muslim subject, which meant taking Islam out of the Muslim in a racist, biological manner. This is the basis of the internal treatment of Muslims in Europe. The project to extract Islam out of them so they would emerge into modernity. To be a true European means that you have to get rid of your Islam so as to be admitted as a civilized and citizen of France or other country. Mm-hmm. Um, a question for uh, Dr François Burga, it might be the last one or, or just one after that. Um, what will be the impact of Brexit on, uh, on the situation of, of Muslims in France?
1: Well, you know, once upon a while, you must admit that you have no answer. I'm sorry, but I have no answer. Uh, uh, I I do not know the exact implications of Brexit. It's still a mystery (laughs) a week before it comes. Um, So I'm afraid I will let it to Marwan, who is a real specialist of Brexit. Aren't you, Marwan?
2: (laughs) I'm I'm not, but I'm sure I find a way to get through to the UK to meet brothers and sisters. More more seriously, the 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 legal provisions I've seen so far in terms of visa and working permit, they shouldn't affect too much the type of Muslim citizens who leave France for the UK, uh, because they are usually mainly qualified workers, and these working permits they will still allow them to go to the to the to the to the UK. Uh, then other cultural or economic impact, as Professor Burger said, it's really too early to anticipate, and I have a sense that even our political leaders have basically no clue how they are going to go about it. So I keep it. Uh, I keep it there. Uh,
0: actually, a question which is linked. Um, I think you can't. We can't divorce Brexit from the, the right or of far right. A question for from Shamim for Dr. François Birga. Um how do you see the rise of far right in France, or can you explain what has been the situation with the far right in France?
1: You know um, in My I think it's my last book like four or five years ago. I said the problem is in France It's not this um, It's not the extreme right uh, Song that we Hear louder and louder um, playing with the, how do you call that, with a trumpet. The problem is that we hear the right playing the same song with, let's say, a saxophone. Uh, But also the fact that we hear the left play the flute and they all play the same song. So uh for the last 15 years when i conclude the conference i say i hope that i all of what i told you tonight is totally mistaken so i do hope that i am mistaken but um i am afraid that the extreme right in france will soon no longer be labeled the extreme right because it will be it's it will be the full we have huge compartments of the left which are totally completely including in the academic this tiny little fringe, which was a little overassessed. I, 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 I wanted to say by Marwan, uh, but it's inside the left. The extreme right is nowadays inside the left. Uh, we are desperately looking at parts of the landscape where it is not. Um, So I am afraid we are on the wrong trend, but I do hope that I am completely mistaken and that things will uh, transform within weeks, probably under the influence of Marwan Mohammed's struggle.
0: (laughs) That's a lot of pressure for Marwan. Uh, you know, I think uh, people are very often scared of, or they mention the fear of far-right party without really realizing that in many ways far-right ideas are already in power, whether it's
1: yeah. in, France,
0: in the UK with Brexit, which was a completely a, a far-right campaign. Um, so sometimes we need not to look only at, the, at the, the parties, but we need to look at the ideas and the roots of, of those ideas. Uh, I'll take one last question. Uh, before I let I the uh, our guests and uh, I'm not holding you by force so I, I'm not uh, I'm not Darmana, I'm not trading you I'm not uh, um so question from Laura what do you recommend for French Muslims who are fleeing France do you think French Muslims uh, should create an organization to help them and advising them uh, if they want to settle in the UK maybe Marwan you're on mute Marwan yeah, sorry. I
2: think there are there are a number of groups in the in the UK, whether it be forums or small organizations, uh, or groups like small networks of uh, French Muslims living in the UK, who are helping other French Muslims when they come to the UK. Uh, the same in Dubai, the same in Qatar, and used to be the same in uh, in New York at uh, at uh, at the time, but. Uh, Really, as I said, I have, uh, I have balanced views on, uh, on, the, on, the, on the issue. What I'm saying is that if you decide to move to the UK, uh, make it for good reasons and understand that even in London uh, or in New York or in Dubai or elsewhere, you will find also a number of injustice. Uh, maybe you will not be as affected as you are uh, because it touches you and it targets you uh, through your faith. But if you look at the typical experience of Muslims in the UK or workers in the UK or other minorities in the UK, you will see that they are also affected by different forms of racism and different forms of injustices. Maybe the brother or the sister would not be problematized in the fact that he or she goes to the mosque, but maybe his access to education or his access to significant positions or his access to equal treatment in a specific context will be also affected. And just because you are an engineer working in the city or you are a doctor or a lawyer or an architect, don't think that because your personal life experience will be much more easier that other people living just next to you are not affected. Uh, You've seen uh, in the last few years the way uh, uh, workers classes uh, or the way other minorities, the way uh, migrants have been affected in the UK. Well, uh, if you've learned something from what you have lived through in, uh, in France is that you should not be new to the suffering of others. You should be like really looking at who are the vulnerable peoples in, uh, people in this society and be close to them, understand what they are going through, show solidarity, campaign with them the same way you would have liked that someone uh, 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 extends a helping hand in this current uh, uh, difficult times we are going through in, uh, in France. So if you decide to, uh, to move in the UK or elsewhere, do it for good, valid, realistic reasons and let this uh, change uh, be a change of context, but not a change of determination, not a change of hope, not a change of sincerity and involvement with those who need it the most.
0: A question for uh, Professor François Burga, and I think it's an important one because it goes back to the origins of, of our organization CAGE, which was set up to highlight the the you know the plight of those detained at Guantanamo without charge or trial and advocating for the rule of law. And there's been in France a uh, number of, of quote-unquote mainstream politicians or at least elected politicians who have called for a French Guantanamo. There's been reports that it was even uh, discussed uh, or advised by some advisors uh, uh, of Macron. So the question for Professor François Burga is Uh, Could you imagine the possibility of detention camps for Muslims in France uh, if things develop as they are, especially with Le Pen as president? Is it something? Is it science fiction? Is it something that could happen?
1: I will tell you that uh, we will all do our best uh, for it to be science fiction. Okay, I don't want to conclude this uh, this evening on on such. uh, uh, prospect. Just let me say something. Politicians take into consideration citizens who have a voice, a voice, a vote. And let me tell you a little anecdote I have mentioned so many times among Muslim audiences. I live, I'm presently in the Alps, but I live in the south part of France, in a city where the. Ex-en-Provence. Next, oh, am I still with you? Yeah. 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 Oh, yes, yeah. you're still with us. You had disappeared. Um, and in in my city, in the city where I live, there, there is a there is a suburb where there is a huge majority of Muslims. Okay, of Muslim citizens, of French citizens, not uh, of foreigners, Muslim citizens. And and for the European elections. He who has been elected was the guy of the extreme right. OK? Where is the problem? So as, as Marwan um, as, uh, uh, said to us, um, there are three different choices. But one choice is to resist. One way to resist is vote. And I am afraid that a majority a majority of French Muslims do not vote. So before we go into the prospect of uh, Guantanamo's uh, next to Marseille, I, I would rather insist upon the fact that there is still a range of possibilities to resist, and the first of it all is to vote and to show uh, the, the, the Muslims are a strong minorities in the falls if they want to vote, and this is the type of voice which politicians listen to. So I would rather conclude on, on this idea, rather than moving to the Guantanamo uh, possibility, which is, not, which is not part, nowadays, of the near future, but which we cannot exclude.
0: Um. Actually, I'd like to ask myself a question uh, based on on what you've just said. Um, If we um, take some of the, I mean, the Muslim community, there's been a lot of advocates of of voting for the past 25, 30 years. Uh, And the last elections, actually, they concluded, and the likes of uh, Yamin Makri, the likes of Tarak Ramadan, even at the time, uh, they actually called to abstain. And uh, their argument was that actually it doesn't matter who we put in power, the structures are always the same. And um, a lot of Muslims recently, they've taken the example of Macron, which during the campaign was actually very... uh, I mean, he was saying all the right things when it comes to the Muslim community and minorities. So what would you say to that?
1: Well, I I, I wish I could oppose completely, totally. Uh, I, I know this, uh, uh, I, was, I was taking into consideration local votes, local votes where the impact is immediate. Uh, but yes, of course, I cannot dismiss what you just said. And I, I know that it, it, is not, uh, it is not so uh, easy to trust this level of action still, still to conclude on, uh, upon a little light of hope, I would myself, support the idea that there is space for resistance, and that part of this resistance uh, should be uh, on the side of uh, uh, voting. But I am not fully convinced by what I am saying. Uh, I, hope, I hope I am not mistaken.
2: So there is definitely go and
1: say something nice to me. <laughs> Give us hope.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, just on this uh, election matter, it's just uh, uh, we had so many debates in France. Like, even so many people were like saying that Muslims shouldn't vote altogether, irrespective of the election or of the of the of the candidate. Uh, I would say that, like, at this time in my life, I will never vote again by default uh, or for the least of two uh, for the list of two evils. Either someone really has some sense of integrity and has shown uh, that he can do or she can do something useful and something, uh, 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 some sense of empathy and solidarity with people shown through acts and decision and policies or I will not uh, even bother, take the time to put uh, a, a vote in the, in the ballot. But I would, uh, I would see voting and political campaigning as one item in the list of acts of resistance. Uh, You can do a lot of politics just through campaign. You can do a lot of politics through communication and cultural campaigns and events and mobilizing and vote uh, and having simply the card to be registered to vote in and of itself is a political uh, action. Then some campaigns at the national level will be the usual list of two evils. And I don't see myself uh, getting involved in this uh, type of campaigning or voting but at the local level there should be a positive or negative incentive for people who do good or do or, or do wrong when you have a mayor who's directly uh, uh, deciding on the way mosques should or should not operate when you have a mayor who can have decision uh uh, uh, impactful for youth or for brothers and sisters or for migrants or refugees or for the schools or the local uh, or the local housing this is real local organic politics and people should be understanding that if there is no premium associated with being a good politician there would there will be no good policies and if you are reluctant to the voting system in and of itself and to the to the vote, understand that it's not only about the vote in the ballot, but it's also about everything around it, the lobbying before the election, the attendance of conferences, the asking of questions of candidates, and the, 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 the monitoring of what goes on right after the elections, and the, the fact that you get involved in, uh, in, in other forms of campaigning except the only act of voting for the candidate directly in the ballot and this is the political game uh, these are the political rules of the uh, of the of the of the game either you find solace in the fact that you can still be impactful in a political campaign with the number of caveats that we uh, that we mentioned or you consider that this process in and of itself is flawed but in this case understand that all the other actions that are possible are still necessary get involved at an intellectual level, at an economic level, at a legal level, at a policy level, from another perspective, and not only about this vote thing, which is uh, like centering and concentrating a lot of controversy when the issue is not the vote only, the paper you put in the ballot, but everything that goes around it.
0: So. Now we'll move on to the actions that everyone can take and that everyone should take if you're interested into the rule of law, into the rights of minorities, into the fight against Islamophobia. Number one, we encourage and advise everyone to buy uh, Dr François burgas last book, which has been translated in English. It's called Understanding, uh, Understanding Political Islam. You can buy it for like 20 pounds online. I think one of my colleagues will will share a link, and it's been shared previously. So read it, it's a breath of fresh air. It's, uh, you know, Muslims and Islam uh, viewed through a non-securitized lens, and it's completely different from what you might be used in terms of, of, uh, of academia. So read it and you'll uh, truly benefit from it. Number two, you should follow the work of Marwan Mohammed. he's on Twitter and I believe his Twitter handle has been, has been uh, shared. He shares a lot of uh, material in English as well. Number two, <clears throat> and that's where you guys can, can actually get involved. CAGE uh, is coordinating and other organizations are coordinating an action alert where we uh, gather people to contact uh, their French embassy in their country to oppose uh, the, 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 this new law against separatism or whichever new name it, it, it has taken. So there's a link which is being shared in the comment section. So you just click on the link, you send us your details and we'll send you everything about this action. Uh, we've already have, I you mean, know, I think people from, I can't remember how many countries which have already, which have already uh, subscribed and, and committed to take this action. So wherever you are, whoever you are you can be part of this action so don't just attend this event and 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 just go back to your normal life it'll be very short very quick just click the link enter your your details and and we will send you everything you need now there's another action which we are also coordinating um, but it's only for those of you who are part of, uh, of an actual organization registered organization now we are launching Again, in coordination with other organizations, uh, complaints to the United Nations and uh, to the Council of oh, to, sorry to the European Council. Okay, so again, uh, we've got organizations from 13 countries already. If you wish to join, uh, you click the link or you contact us, and uh, we will uh, walk you through the process. Again, it's very easy. You don't have anything to do. You just have to ask to add your name and the name of your organization. Uh, there's a quick process so those are the two things that you can do if you have an organization if you're part of an organization uh, you can join this UN complaint and complain to the European Council and if you're an individual you can still get involved and and get in touch with your embassy also by contacting us and we'll send you everything so the forms are in the the, uh, chat so just click on it and um, You'll be, be done in, in a couple of minutes. I uh, really want to thank all of the attendees who have taken the time and, and who have been you know patient and very engaged. And um, most importantly, I want to thank our two guests, Marwan Mohamed and uh, Francois Burga. Um, it's been very insightful. There's been a lot of, of uh, information shared. And again, thank you very much. And, um, you know, See you another time. A bientôt.
2: A
1: oh.
0: oh. bientôt. <laughs> Merci.
1: Bye-bye.
0: All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.